Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. Well, I haven't been here in a while, but this is episode 86. I'm meteorologist Jeff Orgeron, uh, joined by Camilla Ortiz. Hey, Camilla. Hello. Meteorologist Katie Suniga. Hey, Katie. Good morning. Meteorologist, chief meteorologist, excuse me, Mark Nelson. Hey, Mark. Welcome back, Jeffy. And I just want to make mention that today is Friday, January 26th, in case you're watching a little bit later on. Hey, guys, it's been a while. It's yeah. Been, it's been a minute. Yes. Who is this been? guy? I don't, I'm a, this, where, where'd Jeff what's, go? What's all the this? Bearded wonder. <laughs> um, for the Bradley record, I, I went, I went a stretch of, from November 28th until just the day before I came back. No shave. Um, I, I, I cleaned it up though when I came back though. So yeah, uh, it looks yeah, good. Look like Grizzly Adams. Yeah. A lot of people have been commenting. Somebody said Beardgate. Called it hashtag Beardgate in the newsroom. So enough of this. Um, Yes, I've been on paternity leave for a couple of months. Uh, My wife gave birth to our daughter, Eloise, Ellie Rose Forgeron, back on November 30th. Um, It's been quite the ride. Um, We we are so thrilled to be parents, though, and it's been it's just been a joy to watch her grow in the past two months. It's crazy how fast um she's grown um and changed and her personality is developing and it's it's fun being a parent i Katie, you it understand is. mark you understand um camilla maybe someday maybe someday maybe um so but it's great to be back with you guys and it was weird not covering the wild weather that we just went through yeah. uh, which we're yeah. gonna do a full recap of that in this oh podcast. jeff wait 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 you covered it. You were texting me regularly. Some would say constantly, not actually constantly, yeah. but I guess too regularly. So you on were there. On a regular there. basis. You uh-huh. were covering it mentally. We know. Yeah. Don't pretend like you were just cloistered up on the hill. Yeah. I mean. And somebody messaged me and was like, I bet Jeff is just dying not being there with you guys. I'm like, oh no, he's, he's not here. He's looking he's at the models here. every day. Yeah. You know what oh was gosh. nice? Yeah. Um, doing diaper <laughs> changes in the middle of the night, I could see the six Z model runs come in. Sweet. So I literally was not missing anything. Oh my gosh. Really nice. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was weird not actually covering the, the weather. Um, I was getting a little bit of FOMO, a lot of bit of FOMO. Um, and uh, you can't say that without, there's some people older like me that are listening or watching to our podcast. That's right. FOMO. F-O-M-O. Um, fear of missing out. Yeah. Thank you. I only learned I mean, that like six months ago. Yeah, it, it took hey, me a little bit to Can I be honest? Though. I didn't even know what it meant. Katie, you, <laughs> yes, you no did. Kids. No, what? I did not. I've never heard that before. Oh You're my kids. gosh. I've never heard it. I've never heard it. You know uh, what though? They're, they're a whole, I mean, they're so young that it's almost like they're probably coming up with an entire different, true, s- right. you know, slew of uh, abbreviations. Oh, yeah. There've been a few things that my 16 uh, year old, I'll say something. He's like, mom, that was like five years ago. Oh, oh <laughs> like, no. Um, well, okay. So, uh, well done to you guys, by the way. That was crazy. And Thank you. What Thanks. a long stretch. Um, yeah. So, I hope you have recovered at least uh, physically, if not mentally, as well, because it's, I know how taxing it can be, uh, especially for a chief that has to write a weather blog every day oh, on top of all the. Yeah. All the rigors of up. news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, okay, let's talk about what we're going to be going over. Uh, we're going to be talking about, of course, the recap of what we've gone through uh, in the month of January. I'm probably going to let you guys take a hold of that part of the forecast. I'll chime in here and there. Um, we have some warm weather ahead, especially for this time of year, and quite a bit of rainfall uh, that we're expecting. Uh, on top of what has been a very wet January, so we'll go into those numbers. Then. We'll take a look at the long range. We'll get a glimpse into February. It does look like we're going to be dipping back into a cooler pattern, and we'll see if there's any chance that some wintry mischief may be heading back to the lowlands west of the Cascades. Ooh, I haven't heard that one for a long time. (laughs) That's Jeff's signature phrase. Yeah, it's a Jeff term. Wintry mischief. It was my band name in middle school, so. Are you serious? Wintry mischief and the atmosphere in rivers. No, I only played the the, the recorder. Record. Yeah, recorder. Yes. Okay. It's a recorder. Didn't play much of it. Anyways, uh, and then uh, the Cascadia Quake anniversary, we'll go over that. Um, Mark gets really excited about those things, especially when you bring up the possibility of Mount Hood erupting. That's an inside joke. Mm. Well, Uh, but it's similar. Well, Mount Hood erupting would be maybe less damaging. Well, we know far less damage. I don't think it would be explosive. It'd probably be like an ooze. No. Uh, Oozing event. No? 
right. Yeah. Uh, no. Let's talk about January. Um, Mark, why don't you take this away? Because I can do uh, this. I oh, Katie, wait, I'm going to give it to Katie because you love, uh, we can talk about the number that we're probably going to talk about. So Katie, what do you see? Which number are you talking about? The you know your of- your spreadsheet. Come on. Oh the spreadsheet. Yeah, my spreadsheet. Yeah. I love spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, now I'm, I feel a little pressure because I don't know what Mark wants me to say. Uh, but we. So one thing that I want to point out is that temperature on the 21st and the 23rd. That was at what, like two o'clock in the morning, and then we dropped into the teens, and we were in the teens most you mean the of 13th. the day. The, oh yeah, Saturday, the 13th, the 13th and the 14th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, I'm but, sorry, the 21 and the 23. Yes, I'm sorry. Yep, yep. that high was overnight in the early right. early morning hours, and I know very well because on the 14th I was out in that 15 degree weather. Uh, Mm -hmm. reporting that day. So it was just absolutely frigid. And the record was 11 degrees for the coldest. So we missed it by four Mm -hmm. degrees, but we were, we were pretty close there um, with, with that. And then, yeah, the spreadsheet was, we've been watching that. And so we have those four days. If you're listening, not watching, we had four days that we were below freezing, but Mark and I have a, a different way. We were kind of not, I don't want to say we were having a discussion about four or five days because we weren't arguing, but we were just like, it was four right. days. It was five days. So it was four calendar days, but hour wise, it was five days, right? Right. So it was 120 something hours, I think, below freezing. Yeah. But when I brought this up and showed it on air, it said five days below freezing the 14th to the 17th. And I was like, uh, we made it and to guys, let me tell you, <laughs> Katie mentioned that in her very nice way, but you could tell it irritated her. Like somebody put five days on there. It was me. And because um, <laughs> I meant like it was 120 hours. So I said, oh, go ahead and change it back. And it's like, I could tell that it was just like really bothered her. <laughs> so we're back to four days. So now the graphic is it's now correct. Yes, Everybody's or you happy. need to change it to five days, quote, yeah. however many hours. It needs to be one or the other. Yeah. Because it was confusing. I'm looking, I probably had a confused look on right. air when I was like, well, that doesn't add up, right? <laughs> well, look at those 50s. Oof. Yeah. Things I mean, the last up. few days. So and we, we got might more make up go. for this. Yeah. A little bit. I, using Katie's spreadsheet, I did plug in the seven day forecast yesterday. And mm-hmm. if our seven day forecast from yesterday was correct, we'd end up just like, three quarters of a degree below normal. So it's wow. going to be very close. Wow. Very close. Mm-hmm. Oops. Okay. There we go. I guess that was all to say about that one, right, Katie? Yeah. It's been, yeah. It's been warm than cold than warm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very cold. In, in in my five years here, that was the coldest stretch that I've experienced. Um, yeah. It was right. Incredible. Um, and yeah, uh, this has been, I think the way I described it on Good Day Oregon this morning I think everybody will remember January 2024 for the snow, the ice, the wind, the down trees, the of power course. outages. Yeah. But mm-hmm. a subheadline has been how wet it's been. I mean, yeah. we've already, through the 25th, we picked up set, over seven and a half inches of PDX. And mm-hmm. um, we have plenty of rain still coming in the final six days left this month. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, I think Mark says it all in this graphic here. We're probably not going to crack the top five. That would be. That'd be pretty difficult to do. Well, we'll see. Mm, yeah. See, we and, could have and this is close. what happened. This would happen in December. Remember, everybody was like, oh my gosh, it's so wet. Because we were way up in the numbers. And then mm-hmm. we looked and the wettest December was like 15 inches. And yeah, we ended right. up in like spot 15, even though we had a ton of rain. You know yeah. what? I, I'll backtrack here. You're right. Now that I'm looking at 1950, if we were to pick up over two and a half inches of rain, we'd be right around there. You know, We could be in the top five. In fact, here's the top yeah, what I was going to say, I think we 20. were like sitting at 17th last time I looked. Yeah. It, and I know a lot of you are not watching, you're listening. The top, the wettest January is 12.83 inches in 1953. Mm-hmm. Oh, Juicy. Foot, about a foot of rain. Brutal. So we would need to get basically 10, 10 plus inches to crack the uh, top five there. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Wettest since 2006. Camilla, oh, you had that on the graphic, right? Yeah. Oh, there it is at the top. Could be Portland's wettest in almost two decades. Uh-huh. So it's going to be our wettest. Oh, no, it is our wettest. No, it soon will be our wettest since 2006. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're yeah. at seven and a half, and we need to get to just a little more than 10, 
to be in the top five. Right. Folks, this is what we do. We stare at numbers like this all day long and we play out all the scenarios and what ifs. What if we get two and a half inches of rain? That's what we do. We'll we'll be looking at something like, oh, if we get this, then that. If we get this, then that. Yeah. Yeah. And then sidebar, December was also wetter than average. Right. So that's two. Yeah. Been a wet Wet El Nino so far. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So far, it's not dry and mild. It's wet and mild so Mm -hmm. far. So far. Except for, look at that. I love this graphic. I don't use it on TV all the time, but when I want to show a specific kind of what we're looking at here, folks, is the one little bar. There are 30 different bars across the screen. You see the average highs in red, the average low in Portland is in blue, and each bar is a day. So, you know, kind of moves up and down closer together. Probably cloudy days, temperature doesn't move much. Spread apart, either there was a big change in the air mass or uh, might have been sunny, so it got cool at night and warm during the day. But you see the big dip. In Portland. <laughs> Look oh, yeah. how off the chart it goes. Those four days below freezing. The Big Dipper. Yeah. <laughs> the right? Dipper. Although, you yeah. know what's interesting? Yeah. And then it comes back above normal. It's like we're right back where we were. The last three days, lows in the 40s, highs in the 50s, well above average. But Salem, climb. compare this. So look at the dip there in Portland. Look how it takes a while to come back. But look at Salem. It mm. came back after just, it was really a four-day event in Salem for cold. Mm-hmm. Bing. Yeah. So close in proximity to that opening of the Cascades makes a world of a difference because it just keeps oozing out that cold air. Which segues into, we're going to, now Jeff, I don't remember if you got a chance to listen to our podcast last week. I'm sure each week you were just waiting for that to drop into your podcast feed. Mm. Um, But we did briefly discuss last Friday, the event, the the whole cold weather event. We we all looked kind of, well, I'm sure ladies look great, but um, (laughs) we're going <laughs> but we all look kind of tired. We were all toast, right? We all agree. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were. Yeah, it was a little low energy, but I'm sure the content yeah. was still great. It but... was. So I think we can reflect a little, a little more today. I wrote up a nice long um, recap. So I got a few graphics here just to kind of go over. So is that okay if we go over what? Oh yeah. A little more. Yeah. Relive the glories of the big cold spell 2024. So remember, this was this graphic is from the third, as I recall. So this is nine days out. I, this is a graphic we I use on TV. That. And remember, at one point, models were showing that upper level trough coming straight out of the Northwest. Super low. Straight yeah. down over the top of us. I mean, like a historic Arctic blast encompassing the whole Pacific Northwest. And in the end, oops. Can you see that? Is that hidden at the bottom? Eh, that's not. Let's get no, that one. We can I don't see like it. that one. Yeah, but I don't oh. like it. Right. Oh, well, I, okay. I guess my point on this one was, so notice the date. This was generated the 3rd. So this is only two days after the new year. And I was thinking just yesterday, like, where did January go? How is it possible January is about to finish up? Well, we started seeing this on our maps two days after the new year. That's why. So all We're the so lead focused. up to it, and then eight days of it. And then all of a sudden, we've got a week left in the month. So, mm-hmm. um, But anyway, this was a European text output from a graphic we created at KPTV. This is on the 3rd. And remember, all the way we could see, uh, this was on a Wednesday, we could see that the following Thursday, at this point, it was thinking Thursday, we'd have onshore flow and cold on the, uh, what was it, the 11th, um, and maybe we'd get some light snow. And then Friday was the big Arctic blast day with the wind coming in. Wow. In the end, that's more or less what happened. So um, I was just going to say that this is one of ahead. the few times that we were able to say, you know, a week ahead of time that something was up. Even we didn't, we were talking about this on air. So, well, I guess we were, cause we had this graphic, but it was very clear, <clears throat> excuse me, that something was up like nine days out. Do you remember when we saw such extremes before the, um, the extreme 2021, 2021 heat wave? Am I? Yeah, that was that about the same period. Yeah, we were seeing it nine or ten days out, a general trend. We were just like, there's no way that we're going to be that hot. Yeah, like the numbers. Yeah. I remember, this is kind of a funny quick story. I was looking at similar graphics that you have, Mark, on your website, Mm -hmm. this cold spell coming. And I remember some of the operational runs were pumping out negative 20 degree, 850 millibar temperatures Celsius. And I remember turning to my wife and saying, Katie. I have never seen negative 20 degree Celsius, 850 millibar temps. And she's just staring at me like in oblivion, what? into oblivion. And, and I'm like, to put this into context, if it's a 20 degree, 850 millibar temperature in the summertime, that's like a pretty major heat wave going on. And she's like, okay. Like, yeah. I get the same from my husband. Um, and I did want to say, so when we first started seeing that, I remember, you know, if you looked at any different models that 
they were all showing something. It wasn't just right. this just European one, crazy one. one. Yeah. yeah, that was nope. crazy. And so I remember I might've done a few engage posts and done a couple of this where I said that I'm like, look, here's one model run. Here's another something, something's coming, something's up. We just got to get closer till we can nail it down. But we had an idea. It wasn't all exact, but they all showed something. Mm-hmm. So we knew it was coming. And- Here's something that's different between seeing a heat wave eight, nine, ten days out and seeing a cold wave eight, nine, ten days out. For us to get a heat wave, it's very straightforward. Upper level high builds overhead. How warm are those 850 millibar temps going to be up at 5,000 feet? Okay, that's about what, what, how hot we're going to be. We're probably going to have some weak offshore flow in the summer. So pretty straightforward. Whereas with a cold wave here, everything is extremely sensitive. I mean, everything has to line up just right because we have mountains sure. blocking the coldest air most of the time. In this case, this is what actually happened. You see the, um, look at it, let's go back to, see how models at one point were pushing the whole upper level low, basically a chunk of the polar vortex straight south over us. And in the end, here's the European, this is more or less what happened. This is just uh, uh, initialized just a few days ahead of time, but this is more or less what happened. But you see how a chunk of that polar vortex did come into BC, but then it slid off to the east. It did not come straight south over us. Mm-hmm. That's why we didn't have, yes, it was extremely cold. But it could have been far colder, and um, the whole Pacific Northwest could have been encompassed by this massive cold wave. Probably would have been drier, too. So see how just a little Mm. change there made a big difference in what actually occurred. And one last thing on that one. Notice it was the perfect setup for snow or ice as you see a little wave come in from the west as the cold air comes in below. See that? In yep. these scenarios, I wonder if there's any way we can escape without dealing with ice at the end. I mean... Well, the GFS, remember for three days ahead of time, four days ahead of time, the GFS kept bringing a low by to the north instead. And it had almost, at one point, the GFS had no, had the low going by to the north. So the cold air just barely made it through the gorge, maybe a touch of freezing rain in the metro. And that was it. It was never bringing the cold air south. That was about a three day period. Remember how the Euro and the GM were like, okay, nope, everything's going by to the south. The cold air is coming in. And the GFS kept going by with the low to the north. Remember that for about three or four days? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess. To rephrase what I'm, and it's a rhetorical question, that mm-hmm. much cold air spilling into our western valleys and out to the coast, I, is there, I just wonder if there's a scenario in which we can escape, we can warm up without. Yes. For, oh, did I get too aggressive? No, I, I would love to hear. I mean, are you talking yes. about just a strong, southern, dry, southerly no, wind? No, it's happened before. I just, uh, December 2009, and maybe it was 2013, there might have been a very marginal, um, as we went out of the cold air. Was it 09 or 2013? Several days in the 20s and low 30s. And we just came out of it with like one morning, it was like 26, a touch of freezing rain. And then it was 40 in the afternoon. And that was it. Yeah. Just as long as a southerly breeze kicks in, we're golden. And that has well, happened. And the other thing too, is we had that that surface low that came in with all the moisture. Yep. I can imagine if that hadn't been where it was, it would have been a completely different story. Right. And I do wonder how much like snowpack on snow snow on the ground plays into that because that obviously affects our surface temperatures. Some it yeah. may affect how strong that gradient can be um, a little bit, or at least a how bit. far the wind can make it, the southerly wind. So, um, yeah, it was impressive. This uh, is Friday, the day the cold air came in. It doesn't oh, say. Oh, what we're saying? Remember that? Observed temperatures. This is, yeah, this is when we sat mm-hmm. there in the upper, right around the daybreak, and this is the day. Remember, we were really concerned. I was scared to death that day that we were going to have as the Arctic air arrive from the north and the east, first from the north, then from the east through the gorge. I was, you know, that was a day we were scared, like, what if we get more precip than expected and we get an inch and a half of precip and Portland shuts down? Remember, we were scared of that. Is, is that the day schools shut down midday? I think so. Yes, that's yeah. when they sent everybody home early. There yep. were flurries around. There was like still a little bit of residual moisture. And Mark, your concern was the lift, the, the right. some convergence potentially yep. leading to stronger showers than models were depicting. Yeah. We got lucky on that. We did well. I mean, I think we said nothing to a, a, an inch, maybe. I was covering myself with an inch. I mean, we really thought – every model was pretty dry. So models mm-hmm. did really – models did excellent in many facets of this this whole event. I was surprised. I, th- I would say – some would disagree. I would say this whole week, models did the best that I've ever seen with these multiple events. They did the best that I've ever seen. And you'll see wow. here in a moment. There's one part where I didn't pay close enough attention to the models, I don't think. Or I, or I was in denial. So that was leading into it. Uh, by the way, if you're wondering, oh, let's see here. Let's go to this one. How, how This cold spell. Mm. Um, if you do it by seven days, the uh, 
it's the coldest since, you know, dot, dot, dot. If you just take the seven-day average, coldest since January of 2017. If you take the five-day average temperatures at PDX, it's the coldest since 2013. My light just went off. No, you're, no. you're fine. You got Do I look okay? Light. Okay, yeah, you're yeah. good. Um, Three-day average, it's coldest since 2013. It ties with 2013, and um, 19, January of 96 was slightly colder. And then if you just take the one-day temp, which was well advertised here, Saturday the 13th, that was our coldest day since December of 1990. Wow. And they're the coldest. Going back to 1950, or 1940, when the airport records began. We weren't we weren't anywhere close to the top ten, twenty, or thirty no. weeks. Look at Which that nineteen fifty. In nineteen fifty there was more degrees. than one. Yeah. Wow. So in nineteen fifty twelve and a half degrees. Yeah, twelve point six for that's okay. average seven day period. Yeah, how did that happen? I don't yeah. That's crazy. Wow. I think there were some highs in the teens and I think it was calm and cold with snow with snow cover. So we had was, some nights down around zero, I think. That wasn't I, I recall you showed some pictures from a viewer that we aren't allowed to show because we haven't had approval um, from the original viewer of the frozen Columbia with people driving. Oh. Across Since you asked, that would be this month. This is when people drove across the Columbia River. You like wow. this? I pulled this up last night. 1930, January. So just for oh, comparison, okay. look yeah. at those highs. I have them all highlighted. So from the 8th to the 26th, every day was at or below freezing. Many of oh those days gosh. well done in the 20s. Two of those days stayed in the teens. And most mm. nights were at least down below 19. Wow. <laughs> With snow, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six days. There were really like three snow events in there. There was snow on the ground most of the month in Portland. So cold, and that froze up the Columbia River. And there were no dams on the Columbia in 1930. Bonneville wasn't built until 33 or 38. It's one of the 30, 38, I think. So the Columbia was colder in the winter and ran much lower. Oh. Last time it froze up. Somebody flew an airplane, I think, underneath the interstate bridge as well. They were into all those sorts of feats back then, weren't they? Jeez. So unsafe. Yeah. They, they really you lived get it up. Arrested for doing that right now. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so uh, PGE facts. We, uh, we didn't have a lot of this info when we just, you know, like we were just barely in recovery mode last Friday, all zonked out here. So we didn't have some of these facts. PGE, look at that. Nine day event. All customers are back on by Monday the 22nd. Uh, half a million customers went out. Now, like me, my power was out one day and then it was out for two days, separate events. So I, that counted everybody if you went out more than once. But the peak was on that Saturday the 13th, 165,000 people out. 350 power poles replaced. Yeah. Lots of trees down, lines down, mess. Yeah. Katie, you haven't seen this graphic. I haven't. Right. I was just, I was just in awe. Mark there. was working on this last night. He was super proud of himself. Yeah. I wanted to see how, um, I wanted to understand the viewer, let's say. What mm. do I mean by that? I mean, I was saying, well, models did pretty well. What's the issue? You know, like, like, okay, yeah, we warmed it up a little bit fast, but this way, what I did here, folks, you, if you're listening and you, you can't see, I lined up all the seven day forecasts from the day before the event, Thursday, the 11th all the way until Friday the 19th or Thursday the 18th, I guess. And I lined them up so that you could look at any one day and see how the forecast progressed over time. And then on the left side, what actually occurred at PDX. All right. So for example, let's just take Monday. We knew we, knew we were going to be in the cold air, right? That was a pretty good forecast all along. You know, four days ahead of time, we said 32, probably sunny. Then we said 32. The next day, the next day we said 30. The day after that, we said 28. It ended up being 30. Fine. Um, and you kind of see how, as we got closer to events, then we'd throw up the first alert weather days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can, we can be honest here on this podcast, I think, right? Yeah. We're all going to be honest. Um, so, so I remember specifically during this event and now I wish that maybe I wouldn't have done so, but as we were leading into it, my big thing, and I've mentioned it to, I think several of you, I don't like like message confusion. Like, okay, we need to be focused on this Friday and Saturday thing. Yes, we might get precip maybe about the middle of next week, and that could be freezing rain because, you know, it's going to be cold and precip's coming in, but I don't want message confusion. So I do remember on that Thursday, you know, we're all excited about the big Friday-Saturday event. We're going to be frozen. I think most of our models did show some sort of showers coming back Tuesday and Wednesday with a south wind. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe it wasn't Thursday. No, I'm sorry. It was Friday. So by Friday, Friday. we really should have said possible freezing rain on Tuesday. We knew that was possible later Tuesday. And I remember blowing that, not blowing it off. We knew meteorologically it could happen, but I really wanted to be focused on here's what's coming up for the weekend. So we didn't put it in there. So we knew that was a possibility. I think we should have thrown it in. Yeah. Just something that each, each of these big events, I try to remember like, okay, what would I do different next time? So you guys remind me next time that happens, say, don't be, don't be blowing it off just because, you know, you don't want to get confused here. Just throw it in the seven day. Maybe don't talk about it in the, all our big forecast notes. I don't know. What do you think? Well, and so on that Friday, um, I was looking to do a story about your body temperatures and hypothermia and frostbite and all that. And I was talking with Dr. Providence and they said that they didn't have time to do it that day, but they could do it on Tuesday because another ice storm was coming. And so um, I, I was, I didn't want to say, no, we're focusing this one first. We'll do that one later. We got to get through this one, Mm -hmm. you know, before that one hits, but it was, there were a few people that were like, we didn't know this whole thing was going to last a week. And we're like, it was like, we're helping you get through each event. <laughs> so they had heard that at that point on that Friday. Yeah. 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 So should have thrown it in there. Jeff, mm-hmm. you got any I, comments on that? You were at yeah. home. I just, I have experienced this with severe weather coverage, like tornado potential in the um, Southern Plains when I was out there in Texas for a couple of years. And I totally understand where you're coming from. You don't want to jump ahead and spend a lot of time on, uh, you know, an event that could be coming five to seven days out when you have an event within a day or two coming. Um, but I think I agree with you, Mark. It's, I think it's important to put it on the seven day if we have confidence it's coming, but we, we focus more of our time in our weather casts. If we get, if we're given three minutes of time to present the weather, um, in an evening newscast, um, maybe we spend, you know, the bulk of the time on the, you know, the event coming in and then just pepper in something could be coming later on, but at least right. mention of it. Um, I think <clears> there, and then there's other ways to do it on social media, but we can always look back in hindsight and, and say, we w- wish we did it this way. I think you, I think you all did a really good job warning our viewers. I think there was still some uncertainty regarding that midweek ice event. And um, especially with such a dramatic warm up coming to a lot of the Valley, it was difficult to really know how that was going to play out. Yeah. Right. So, so then was, one, once we got to Saturday to that storm mm-hmm. and we were that, that afternoon, it's like, okay, the storm has been happening. Okay. It's going to be wrapping up tonight. Then we threw it all on there and said, okay, yeah. this is going to be a transition event Tuesday. So you had one, two, three, but the point is people were like, oh, we're just going to warm up out of it Wednesday and not worry about freezing rain. So next time I'm going to remember that. So yeah. um, then, you know, we got through Monday, it became obvious yeah, we had an ice storm warning. Let's see next traffic. Oh gosh, I have to reorient my eyes. Okay. Here we are. So then, yes. So we were still going 46 and warmer Wednesday afternoon. I got another graphic for that. Um, And that did not happen in most of the metro, which we'll cover in a second. And by Monday, notice how the highs, oh, let's go back. We had been going, you know, 40s, Thursday, 40s, Thursday for day after Mm day. Then I remember by Sunday, I was like, oh, Thursday, rainy. I think by Sunday, we were already seeing that east wind return on Thursday. Mm-hmm. it's like oh and i was kind of concerned like boy if we don't wipe out the cold air there's still a lot east of the cascades so by the time we get to monday i had rainy oh, we had rainy and chilly on thursday and 40 which clearly implied ooh, east metro might have freezing rain mm-hmm. and by tuesday we're like hey this is a problem for later thursday i think we could go to freezing rain again east metro so yeah so it continued on that way it wasn't like some of those events where we we've just stayed frozen longer than expected and the whole city's locked in like two extra days that wasn't really the case i mean we we warmed up halfway and then it went back into it um and on what actually let's go to the next one well and while you're doing that i want to say real quick Mm -hmm. that is a to me a very good example of when we tell people anything more than 24 to 48 hours could change Mm mm-hmm Right. Like it's just a prime example because, you know, this is what we were seeing. And then we got within that window and we're like, oh, now everything is starting to come together where we can actually tell you a better idea, a more focused idea of what's going to happen. So, yeah, this is a great graphic. This was the Wharf GFS. It, that's the highest mm-hmm. res we have. Oh, no, this is four kilometer, but the 1.33, I think, wasn't available. That And you could see that southerly wind forecast to come up just about to the Columbia River. This is Wednesday at 1 p.m. And what actually happened? Well, it didn't quite get that mm. far. It was about five miles short. You see yeah. those 40s briefly. Jeff, you, you briefly probably were close to 40. Nah, you were kind of on the edge. You must have been close to 40 at your place in southwest Portland. But then it then it cooled off the second part of the day, right? As the yeah. south wind went away. 
Yeah, and it was tough because we had such a weird layer of like snow and ice. Um, mm-hmm. It was difficult to get out of it. And the east wind went away. Look how Cor- I remember this later in the day. Corbett jumped to forty-one. It went calm. That mm-hmm. was an unusual situation in that uh, we actually lost the cold air supply, and then cool air just kind of sat in the middle of the Portland area in Vancouver. So, um, yeah. So, so that was not correct. That was a big one. Big mess up by the models was um, the southerlies didn't punch south, all the way through. Yeah. That mm-hmm. said, they never showed them punching much farther north of the Columbia River. So we knew it was going to be marginal. Ugh. Uh, and then what was this? This was the, um, the, oh, the models did really well on the second ice storm, but this is one where I think I messed up a little, I felt in my forecasting that this was the graph on Thursday morning as the precip had already arrived. It showed the same thing for like 24 hours or more beforehand, showing us creeping down to right around freezing while all this precipitation is coming in on Thursday, the big ice storm, East Metro. Mm -hmm. And sure, I mean, if we would have followed that directly, that's freezing rain. So, yeah. So they it handled the sloshing back into the cold air really well. Look at those winds, east 30, gust 40 something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I know where you're coming from. I don't think you messed up, Mark, but I know where, uh... you're, where you, you said you were focused on the east metro and it did affect central metro and parts of the west metro. Is, it, is that where you're kind of getting at? Yeah, that's, you know what? It was, it was in another note I have, it was two to four degrees off. I mean, that's, that made all the difference. That does. Yeah. It all would have been two or three degrees warmer. We would have talked about only east of I-205, maybe the very top of the West Hills. Well, yeah. the, really quick um, from my perspective, cause I wasn't working that part of the forecast right there, that part of the event was when I lost power in the longest and I was in Southwest Portland. We lost it for 13 hours. And I know I'm part of a mm-hmm. Multnomah village. Uh, Facebook group and tons of people lost power in that part of the event, even though it wasn't necessarily the worst icing that we saw. Thick ice glazing. Yeah. And so uh, it is important to remember that, like we saw in that Salem temperature trace, that uh, after Wednesday morning, the vast majority of areas west of the Cascades never saw frozen precipitation again. That Mm -hmm. was it. So for Salem, it was just, and most of the valley, also up to Kelso, most of Clark County, it was about the Saturday event, the cold. And then a brief transition Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. That was it. But the big ice storm, yeah, East Metro, all so much trouble with that, all those outages. Camilla and I, yeah, it was Camilla. We were sitting there looking at the sky cams that night and it was just like lightning off to you the east. You see the flashes, crazy. power lines arcing and whatnot. Yeah. The amount Transformers of viewers that thought, exploding. The amount yeah. of viewers that thought there were thunderstorms, there were thunderstorms out there was kind of oh, yeah. Yeah. me. I'd yeah. never seen that before. That was crazy. And Transformers don't explode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, clarify that, because actually that's an <laughs> yeah. interesting little tidbit. Everybody says that. Uh, transform. Uh, they can explode, but it's extremely rare. I have a lineman neighbor. He's older, retired. But one time when I said that, he goes, oh, I hate it when people say that. <laughs> it's it's either the uh, the fuses popping, which makes the exploding sound, or that, you know, when you just see the flashing going on, it could be a power line arcing with a, with a branch or something. Um, but if a transformer exploded, that means there would be toxic oil spread all over that street. That doesn't happen. That's extremely rare. So transformers do, um, what would you call it? Like fuses blow. What, what was the wording? They, on the air, they said. Like spark? No, what was it? There was another word. It wasn't exploding. It was transformers, um, blow. I guess you could say blow because a fuse blows. Huh. Whatever. Or fails. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, the Transformers are not exploding all over the East Metro area. Yeah. You Everybody know, uh, says it, though. Like ATM machine. This is off topic oh. a little bit, but the, the, the airlines have been referring to uh, the the door coming out as a blowout, and I can't stop thinking about oh, diaper blowouts. No. Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. Now you know what those are. I do. I know very <laughs> sure well. do. All right. Let's talk about snowpack. Okay. So this was January 1st. Boy, abysmal snowpack at the start yeah. of the yes. month. Um, a lot of complaints from the skiers and snowboarders, probably the ski resorts too. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, what a drastic change. Mark, do you want to jump to the 25th, which was yesterday when we were recording this podcast? Boom. Um, and boy, we are in really good shape now. Right mm-hmm. back to normal. If you average the state, right? Look at that. Yeah. Pretty good. It's too yep. bad but... we've got all this mild, wet weather coming up. Speaking of. Yeah. <sighs> I will say, luckily, it's not a long stretch of mild, wet weather. It's only going to be, you know, a handful of days. Yeah. It's only going to be, you know, two to four inches of rain on top of that snowpack. Not much. (laughs) 
We have a lot to work with, though, so we won't lose it all. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to be an optimist here. It'll come. So, actually, a, a large snowpack does absorb like a sponge. It just raises the snow water content. The, the cascade concrete is coming. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so I I pulled six images. We're going to show you right here, and we're going to kind of go back and forth between the European ensemble uh, outlook and the GFS ensemble outlook. So this. It gives us a rough idea of what we're going to be looking at temperature-wise for the next, you know, couple of weeks or so. And if you if you're not watching this, if you're just kind of listening to our podcast, um, between the weekend and early next week, temperatures are going to be bumping up into the mid 50s to low 60s, uh, and this is going to translate to high snow levels. And that's what Mark alluded to: is a lot of rain falling on the snowpack. Um, I think our snow level could rise as high as eight to nine thousand feet or so, which is going to be kind of rough considering how awesome the snow is right now. I'm mean, listening to Bonnie Silkman, who's been up there at Timberline recently. She said the snow is great. So, uh, but by mid to late week of next week, we are going to be dipping back down uh, into a stretch of weather with highs in the forties, overnight lows in the thirties in the lowlands. Rough estimate. This is the European outlook. And I just want to jump, if we can jump to the GFS ensemble outlook, very similar. I mean, yeah. they're pretty much in lockstep here. Um, Basically, so, we're going we're going back to average once we, we are. hit February first. Nice timing. Um, let's jump to the next graphic, Mark. Which oh. I have some more. No, we can do yours, and then I have a couple. Oh, when we we ready to talk about how warm is it going to be? Yeah, we could. Well, Maybe? we could do that first, and then we can. Well, I was just going to show the the next four graphics that I have. Let's do this. I'm yep. going to talk about precipitation outlook, and then any possibility of wintry mischief in the lowlands west of the Cascades. So I highlighted that section with those red bars to oh. kind of show that uh, once we start to cool back down after this um, handful of days of wet and mild conditions, um, it looks like this is going to be kind of a cool dry stretch. I mean, there's really not a lot of precipitation in the long range outlook as we kick off the month of February. Uh, so that's the European outlook. Let's, so this, those bars are between about, uh, you know, the third or fourth, of February all the way to maybe the 10th or the 11th. Next weekend, and the following we, weekend, the first weekend of February, it looks like, third and fourth. And the GFS ensemble outlook is very similar. So again, uh, once we get into this this cooler stretch, it should be much drier. Hopefully we'll get some breaks in the, the rain and we can get outdoors and whatnot. And more of the action's heading towards California, which is good for them. El Nino-like. Um, yeah. Let's take a look at the next one. Oh, I got one for you. Okay, let's see. Oh. Okay, go ahead. Let's do this really quick. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wrote in text on here, there are 50 European ensemble members. Nice. And around the around February 4th, 13 of 50, which is far less than half of the ensemble members, are hinting at maybe some wintry mischief west of the Cascades. If I'm looking at this, I just glance at this every day, I'm thinking not too concerned. <laughs> Right. Not over the concerned. diaper changes. You look at this every day. <laughs> yeah. Like right hand as a diaper in the hand, left hand has my cell phone. All right. Uh, the next one is the uh, GFS ensemble outlook. There are 30 ensemble members. There are 50 European. There are 30 ensemble members for the GFS. And around February 3rd, a day before the last graphic, um, there are eight out of 30 ensemble members hinting at a dusting or a minor amount of snow. Long story short, folks, we're really not seeing any major signs of wintry weather returning west of the Cascades. So that's that. Mark has some and, animations. Yeah, oh. I have something to add. And Jeff, you noticed this somewhat while you were off as well. We sure noticed it. Remember in the in the week before the big cold blast, we had some marginal snow, a couple marginal snow events where we got kind yeah. of excited. Um, the European, for whatever reason, this year is especially bad. It's almost like the algorithm has been set to when we have like 38 degrees and mixed rain and snow, it accumulates that snow on its maps. Folks, right. I know there's a lot of weather geeks that are listening and watching this, listening to and watching this podcast. Those snow maps were absolutely terrible. Like the European, especially, it's like the it's like the threshold is set too high. There were many days where I'm like, the low is going to be 37, and it's producing 0.4 inch, 0.4 inches of uh, snow. So the we little stuff I ignore. Together. What was that? We were looking at those together, and we had yeah. that conversation. We were like, it, it was showed like several inches in Salem, and we were like, what? Like, yeah. So watch out on the snow maps. And that would also apply to this one. I generally, I mean, this, I know this isn't always true, guys. Like, what if we're well below freezing and we have 1.5 inches of snow coming? Fine. But in these marginal events, I pretty much watch the blue, blue, which is two inches or higher. It's like, okay, it actually produces something significant on the blue one. So just something to remember as we go through this marginal type stuff. 
Um, I do have, why are there lines in here? Why are Jeff's lines? In, oh, because I copy pasted. Ignore the red lines because I copy pasted a graphic and then threw in. Because, you know, every podcast needs to have a 500 millibar uh, yes. uh, graphic. Animation. Yeah. This is an animation of uh, a week and a half. No. Is it 10 days? Yeah, 10 days of the Euro from last night's run. A lot of ridging over the West. Then a trough comes in the middle of next week. That's the cooler stuff Jeff was referencing. But boy, at the end, yeah, there may be cool air left down below, but we're still in kind of this weird splitty or ridgy thing. I mean, it's still ridging around. So I, I just feel like we've re-entered the December pattern again. Yeah. Yeah. I have one more. Enjoy the snow while it's there because we have low confidence that it's going to really boost back up. Yeah. So we were having a debate last night in the weather center, Camilla and I, um, how warm could it get Sunday and Monday? And we're like, Ooh, Jeff raised those temps. And I see now you've got a low 60 for Sunday. I do. And you know what? Oh, there could be another, I'll let you, you take it away. Well, it's it's, the, biggie, the biggie is, yeah, we still have snow covered terrain east of the Cascades. If we get an easterly breeze at PDX, that'd probably keep us in the fifties, but all it has to do is go light South. And we agree. I mean, look at this wharf. This is this morning's wharf GFS run, four kilometer. This is for um, Monday. Look at the all the reds. And, and actually, Sunday was similar, but not as warm in the Cascade foothills. Look at this. It thinks, and actually, it has a pretty good track record. It thinks it could be as high as 68 around Sandy, Boring, and like Malala areas on Monday Jeez, if we're dry. What? I mean, that is possible. We, well, unusual, but I mean, it's a very warm atmosphere overhead if the southerly wind makes it. Yes, but notice how it's producing those temps probably around 60 64 60 low 60s in portland even with an easterly breeze so that seems unlikely but you guys do you guys remember what happened on december 4th Mm -mm. oh no it was warm but it was 67 right you are correct mark (laughs) nailed it (laughs) well i assumed i didn't know i just assumed you were referencing (laughs) that day but was it southerly wind with an atmospheric river right yes yeah do you remember what the 850 millibar temp was between no. five and twenty, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was just curious. No. I was curious how uh, how similar. Um, it it I don't know. It, honestly, it didn't look as similar this morning. But now that Mark's kind of bringing up some other factors, it's it's feeling a bit more similar. So oh. wow, what was that we, record um, too? That December temperature that yes. was a record. Yeah, it was sixty seven. Was and I know the January record. I do. I've mentioned this before. Sixty six degrees because I remember the day it happened. Oh my gosh. Actually, the day that happened in January of, I think, 06, we had an atmospheric river. It lifted slightly north, a little bit different than this, but lifted slightly north, and we had partly cloudy skies all day and sunshine and southerly wind, and it made it to 66. Wow. Okay, that's, yeah. that's sound, does that not sound like Sunday afternoon? Or is Monday. It, I mean, One of the well, two. Sunday afternoon looks like it could break out into sunshine. Um, some of the latest high, high see mark mark thinks well, it's going to be drizzly all day on sunday we were fighting about this last night i'm like jeff agrees with me that precip well, is the updated graph model mark i was like yeah. holy smokes we break out into sunshine sunday yes afternoon. let's <gasps> really? go bike rides i was seeing Camilla, that she's wish casting because she wants to ride her bike we talked yeah, about that i'll too. admit it i'll um, admit it okay well that's good to know so it breaks out some wow you're right i totally agree jeff uh, we're almost we are close what is it the end of january if it was two weeks from now, February 10th, I'd be like, wow, that's going to push us well into the 60s. But it could happen. Maybe Southerly Breeze, I'm not, I'm not saying no, it's not going to happen. I'm saying it's definitely possible. This was a perfect example, by the way, of weather um, short-term memory loss. I was like looking, I was thinking to myself, we have a 60 plus in the seven day. When was the last time that happened? Let's look at the stats. Yeah. Oh, about a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what if we hit a 67 and uh, that'd be cool if we hit 67, we'd have the warmest January and the warmest December day. I mean, it wouldn't be cool. Yeah. We'd have, so that would be the coldest January day in a long time and the warmest January be, day in a long time. That's weather whiplash for you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let's go for it. Uh, I don't right. know how our timing is going, Jeff. I don't have the timer on, but it, it, we need We're to move like on. Five minutes right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Longest ever. Uh, we're yeah, all let's... back. The gang's back my, together. My wife is mad at me right now. <laughs> Get off the internet. Okay, so um, let's talk about the Great Cascadia Quake. Okay. Ooh. So 324 years ago, tonight, was the last Great Cascadia Quake. Most likely 9 or 9.2, according to uh, geologists. Happened offshore. And they know it was about 9 p.m. or so. Isn't that crazy? You're missing, yeah. 
You're missing getting... the flashlight under your chin, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so I just think this is fascinating because every time I tell this story, I just think it's fascinating. So we have this Cascadia subduction zone just offshore. That's where the Juan de Fuca plate is diving under the plate that we live on. We live on the North American plate. So basically mm -hmm. there's land moving, you know, many thousands of feet underneath us. But these plates get locked up on each other, just like they do in other places in the world, like off the uh, coast of Japan, mm -hmm. the big Japanese earthquake. And they've been locked up for 324 years. Gosh. So <laughs> at some point, it's going to happen again. So how do they know it happened in the late evening? Uh, how do they know it happened? Because two, three ways. And it's interesting. They didn't really, a scientist didn't put this together until around, I think it was around 2000, the year 2000. Um Three really fascinating ones. Well, first, number three there, uh, Native Americans had always told legends of a great wave after the ground shook on a, on a cold winter night, and then a great wave wiped away lots of Indian villages. Uh, I think not only not only along the coastline there in Washington, but also maybe in the Strait of Juan de Fuca as well. So there were always these legends at some point in the past. There was this great wave on a cold winter night, not in the summer. Um, and then Japanese have always kept tsunami records, real detailed records for, I think, like maybe hundreds and hundreds of years. Yes. And they always had this one tsunami. They called it, I think they called it the orphan tsunami, um, that if the next day, January 27th, appeared off the coast of Japan and caused a lot of damage. And they never knew where it came from because the ground never shook. So where did that come from? Okay, mm -hmm. well, that's interesting. So I guess scientists at that point, putting that, would say, okay, there was a, ca a great earthquake somewhere in the Pacific, but who knows where, right? So then around 2000, and you can find this online, um, scientists were studying the submerged forests on the coast. One is, um, if you go to Nestaca on the Oregon coast, there's still, when the tide is low, you see trees sticking out. But more important, up on the Washington coast in Willapa Bay, there are still old, old cedars and cedar wood is very you know tough it lasts a long time and there are old cedar forests that are like under two feet i think it's under two feet of muck and then you know they're they're underwater or they're in the water i should say and get this they when someone studied the growth rings on those the last growing season Gosh. was was the uh, year 1699 it's crazy oh. yeah it's amazing isn't that Aww. interesting Mm -hmm. So they knew it was sometime between the growing summer of 1699 and the summer of 1700. So he put all that together, figured it out, and said, this must have been the great Cascadia quake. Yeah. Because if you think about it, let's see, I don't have a good graphic. I can use my hands. But um, how does it work? So if we've got the one plate shoving under the quake, we or the plate that we live on, so it's constantly going like this. All the stress is building up, and what will happen? It'll happen again. It'll suddenly pop. And so on the coast, the land drops like two feet. Yeah. So basically yeah. the coast is slowly rising right now as it's being pushed up and it'll drop like two, is it two or four feet? Uh, it'd be great actually to get a geologist on here. They could describe it in much better detail than I can. But um, I might cool. be able to, I might be able to do something about that. Yeah. If you really so want not to. Only, that would be great. Because mm -hmm. not only does the, a big wave come in a tsunami because the land has been lifted up well offshore, you know, the, underneath the water. Not only does a tsunami come in, the coast actually drops a couple feet when this happens. So that amplifies the issue, uh, amplifies the, 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 the flooding of the water that comes in. So pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's your story. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to shame everybody, but I'm just going to take a poll. Um, and I, I bet you that people that are listening are probably going to be able to relate to this. Who has an earthquake kit prepared? Oh. Actually, uh, I have... I would say, well, okay, so when I went through MSU, we actually had to do a bunch of this stuff, even if you weren't in like a tornado zone or anything like that. We all had to come up with them and take pictures of them and submit them for some of our, our assignments. Mm -hmm. So we do have food and flashlights and, you know, safe spots and all that kind of stuff that we set up with our kids. But it's only because I had to do it for class. So, so I had to also do that for class, but I promptly took it apart. Yeah, mine. <laughs> I have um, a defined earthquake kit because, I mean, living out of the country, we have, I do have a, a water, one of those filter things where I can go down to the creek and make water. And we have a okay. very pure creek near us. So, I mean, that's, that's just sitting in the box ready to go. So, I guess I have water. We have a generator for power. We have. Do you have canned food? 
yeah, or, I mean, uh, yeah. food that won't go bad for multiple days? Do you have, um, do you have oh, yeah. first aid? Oh, my wife is a nurse. She carries like three different first aid kits. So, that, so right, I so guess in a way we have a kit. We don't have an official kit, but we, we, we have by default. I can make it a week. Yeah. I think, and I have a partial kit together, but I don't have a full one, but I think this is a good reminder. And anytime that I am, I feel shame saying this, but anytime we do have an earthquake story or anything related to geology yeah. on a newscast, I always try to remind our viewers yeah. now is a great, or today is a great day to get your earthquake kit uh, prepared. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important to have it all in one place because say yep. something does go wrong um, with your home, sure. like if something comes down the roof or whatever, what have you, or you can't access a certain part of your home, at least, you know, it's all together in one place. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, some, some necessities, first aid, water supply for your family for multiple days in case something ruptures with the pipes, uh, food that won't go bad for multiple days at a time. Um, there are, I'm sure there are resources online that you can search to, you know, look that kind of stuff up. Go ahead. Yeah. One last quick item. What's the return interval for these quakes? That's a big one. So will one happen soon or not? I think the return interval for these great Cascadia quakes is something like between they've gone back. They can see them farther back than that. It's between, I think, two and 800 years. So as I said We're once on the window. air, I remember I said this to Shauna Parsons when she was anchoring once. I said, we could have one tonight. And she, she went like that. I said, or it might be 600 years away or 500 years away. We don't know. Just don't know. So I think the geologists have said there's, a, I think they said a 30% chance of it happening in the next 50 years, which is for a, for a geologic event, that's pretty high. Yeah. That's a concerning yeah. percentage. Okay. I that's have a good three item. point percentage, by the way. <laughs> I have one more item. We have a radio that has batteries in it, but it also has a gear. And mm, so right. it's an AM, FM. And so you wind it up to give it the energy so that you can tune in and listen to the radio so that you don't have to use batteries on it. And it's also a flashlight. So the flashlight it, is key. Katie, mm-hmm. you brought that up earlier. I think that's something yeah. ne- but necessary for your kit as well. This one, you wind it so you don't have to worry about batteries. So you can wind it for your light. You can wind it to listen to the radio cool. and be connected. So we have two of those and uh, on different floors For emergency broadcasts too. For emergency, yeah, I, think, yep. I think we sit here and we rely so much on our phones, but we've learned with some of the local power work. outages lately that they just... I mean, at times they just are useless. Uh, yeah. Hold the people. So uh, now's a good time to get your earthquake kit prepared. I'm just going to say good. It right now, mm-hmm. um, guys, it was a pleasure joining you again um, on the Fox Show podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was fun. We missed you. Missed you guys too. We um, air hug. <laughs> and uh this was a really long one too so hope you made it all the way through we're gonna try to do this weekly for you um enjoy the mild stretch of weather and stay dry out there and we'll talk to you soon happy friday so stop your waiting and hesitating and tell us please tell us